All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of G.O. Talk. It's me, Burdell. I'm here with Mike, JT, Jarrell, and Jenna. And this is our episode the day after the 4th of July. So, guys, just to get started, how was you guys' 4th? Hey, 4th was pretty good. Um, didn't do a whole bunch of celebrating, celebrating, but, you know, just took advantage of the, of the weekend. Did a little barbecuing. Um, just had a good time, relaxed. Pretty nice. Same for me. Barbecue a little bit. Um, and of course, put my headphones on when they start doing all the fireworks. But there, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your dog needs some Jasper needs some headphones too. <laughs> man. When I say this, man, did 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 y'all have any problems with y'all dogs on the fourth? Man, he tried it. Manny tried it. He like as soon as one popped, he like got up and like oh started looking. I was like, boy, you sit down. I said, you be you sit down and you be quiet. He looked at me, he said, okay, and sat down and be quiet. No problems. But mom told me that Jasper's acting up. Man, yeah, Jasper, he didn't he didn't bark or anything. He was just like running around trying to get away. Like, you know, <laughs> jump he, he jumped up in my lap, he's shaking uh, and stuff. And PTSD. Yeah, <laughs> you know it was it was bad, man. Then then it, it it was time for him to go outside to use the bathroom. And I was like, I had the door open, like go use the bathroom. Man, that man looked at me and ran right back to the room. Like, <laughs> I can hold it. Yeah, that's exact, man. When I say I don't, I man, I don't remember him using the bathroom yesterday, y'all. He did not want to go outside. You will find it later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nah, nah. Nah, uh, uh-uh, uh, 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 nah. He ain't, see, he ain't gonna do that. But he, he, uh, he did go out this morning and everything. He was fine. But last, last night, and yesterday, man, he was just running around shaking. And uh, wherever I went, he wanted to be right down my heel. Yep. Yeah, that's nice. But other than that, man, oh, I had a good time. My fourth, man. Like I said, tell y'all before we got on. I uh, smoked a brisket for the first time. Keep saying I, it. It, does n- it yeah. never sounds right when you say that. Smoke the but brisket. I, I, I smoked me a brisket. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it took me 11 hours. 11 hours. Oh, I um, I started I started uh, Friday night. And, you know, every hour I had to get up and go check on it. You know, make sure it stayed hydrated. And it was done about ten o'clock uh, Saturday morning. But uh, the cool, the cool thing about it is, I had bought a a meat thermometer, and I thought it was just like the regular. It was like I was like, oh, it's kind of cheap. It's number twenty some dollars, you know. You know, using those ones that you that, that are high class thermometers, you you pay like what eighty bucks for them almost. So anyway, I'm talking about like the ones that you can connect to your phone and all that kind of stuff. So anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I uh, got it home and checked it out, and I was like, yo, this thing is wireless. I was like, I didn't know it was a wireless thermometer. You know, so I stuck that thing up in there, put it on the grill, you know, went back in the house and just relaxed, and then every time, you know, an hour went around, it'll beat, let me know to go check it. So uh, I just kept doing that, you know, and just kept getting up in the middle of the night, going out, checking it, putting more charcoal on, adding some more wood and so forth. But it just kept going and kept going. And uh after a while, you know, watching the temperature rise on it, I was just like, man, this gonna this gonna it's, it's gonna cook pretty fast. Cause I saw it jump up from like 50 degrees when I first put it on. It jumped up to like a hundred and something. 
And then it just started stalling. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, slow and steady wins the race. And it just kept on going. And then eventually around 10 o'clock, it hit, hit its mark, let me know that it was done. Man, took that thing out, let it rest for about an hour before I cut it. But when I say it was so juicy, when I cut into it, man, it, it was good. It was good. That's all right. We need to start a cooking podcast. Huh? We need to start a cooking podcast. Man, nah, I ain't finna get on there talking about no cooking podcast every day. Nah, y'all can have it. <laughs> but other than that, man, my food was really good, man. I had some good eating and uh, just relaxing and so forth. But I had a good time. Did anybody take advantage of their rights to bear, to bear arms? You mean shoot their guns? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I stay in the city, so no, I didn't shoot my gun. What yeah. goes up must come down, man. So, exactly. So, I, unless yeah. I got a special target, I ain't finding no way. Me neither. Understood. Yeah. I ended up getting a membership at the shoe range down the street, and I got a membership, and it's like it's like thirty nine ninety nine. But you can get um, it's it's pretty cool though, cause like you know, I, I'm starting to go a lot. I went this weekend, and I think I don't think we had to pay for it. Just like the target. Cause you know, paying for the membership, but you get you get unlimited shooting through the weekdays as well as the weekends, unless there's a you know unless there's people, a whole bunch of people, and then you just get put on the top of the waiting list, and then you get a free person to come along with you. So it's pretty worth it. Otherwise, you're gonna be paying like twenty two dollars for a lane, and then like for every person, you're gonna pay like twelve dollars. So it's a it's a pretty good deal. But um. Recently, I got a new gun. I really, really like it. I showed y'all the little it's Sig, uh, Sig Sauer. Uh, it's a P320 uh, X5 Legion. It's really, really nice. Really nice. Just put a little light on it. making it so it's, it's really nice to shoot. I'm loving it. But the more and more I shoot, the more and more I want. So I think it's, <laughs> I think it's like tattoos. You know how you get one and then you're like, I need mm-hmm. to get another. That's how yep. I feel. That's how I feel. I, I look, Mike, I put the Beretta down. I cannot shoot that thing. Like, I cannot shoot. Jenna can shoot. She shoots <laughs> the Beretta, man. I can aim, and I missed the whole paper. Well. I missed the whole paper. I, I don't know why. I just can't. I don't like the way the trigger. It's just, it's too much. Like, you got to pull it way too too long in order for it to break. I hate it. I hate it. So, I'm I, I'm going to pass that down to her. She don't want it, but <laughs> i but uh, that's messed up. Yeah, give giving stuff away you don't want. That ain't no right. Good. Shoot better than <laughs> exactly. I do. You can have it. I'm thinking about getting the Glock 26. <laughs> 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 so yeah, you gotta come down, man. We're gonna have to go and do a little something, something. Yeah. yeah. You know I'm down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about you, JT? Man, uh, I know we went to a fireworks show. Uh, it was supposed to be, it was spaced out in the parking lot, stuff like that, so you just stayed in your car. So it was Noah's first um, 4th of July experience or whatnot, um, as far as him, you know, being aware of what's going on. Of course, he passed by on the first bone, whatever. But yeah, it was pretty good, man. He enjoyed it. He loved it. Uh, but he, when we got home, man, he just kept me up all last night, bro. And I'm just like, I'm just looking at him like, dude, come on. He's just like, nah, not tonight, buddy. <laughs> He's like, we, we rocking and rolling tonight. <laughs> so I, so we, I mean, I, I think I probably went to sleep 
maybe like four, something like that. Man, that's that's way too late. Jesus. Oh yeah, it's terrible. Goodness gracious! And I, I've drunk multiple cups of coffee. I don't think it changed anything. Wow. that's too much for me, man. You need a hit of oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll help you out. I don't mean to change the subject, but I keep thinking about it, man. Like, are we ever going to get back to normal in this world? Like, COVID came back. Well, I, it's hard to say it came back because it didn't come back. It was always there. We just had a distraction. But, like, it's getting so much worse than what it was. Like, people are getting sicker. More people are getting sick. You know, death rates are rising. It's just getting crazy. Like, what is going on? And I see people, you know, me and Jenna, we were out, and we see people having, like, baseball games, and, you know, they're, like, crowding around each other, don't care. Everybody's out doing stuff. The only time I see people wearing a mask is when you go to, like, because, like, now in Texas, there's, like, I think it's mandatory um, that you wear a mask when you go inside of a business or something like that, because I see, I think it's, I see the sign on the door all the time. And so, uh, but other than that, no one's really wearing masks. Like, like I don't know if this thing is going to ever go away. What's your thoughts on that? So, I, I mean, at, I ain't trying to cut y'all, Mike, but uh, I know at the event last night, we noticed that, you know, we, of course, had masks on and whatnot. We were away from everybody. And then if we went to go, like if the girls would have went to go get some food, you know, they went, me and those state or whatnot. And it was a lot of people in crowds and mingling with other crowds with no masks, no gloves, no nothing. And I'm talking about had the dog with them and everything. And it's just like, mm. it's like, come on. Like, you know, and it, just to go back to what you're saying, as far as numbers climbing, people just really don't care. I know some places that are huge are, are finding people. And I really feel like around here, they need to start doing that because you, you're putting other people in harm's way and you're allowing the virus to linger longer than what it probably would have would have done if we would have stuck to you know wearing a mask not going out in groups so high and just keeping to ourselves and we paying for it man i'm gonna be honest with you man there's nothing we can do about it period like let's say let's say that everybody everybody was like you know what we're gonna quarantine like they said we're supposed to and and everybody decided to quarantine like we're supposed to now at some point, they still going to say, all right, y'all, y'all got to go back to work. Some of y'all got to go to work. Man, the people still going to pass it around. It's still going to do the same thing that it's been doing. It might not go at a quicker rate than it is right now. But, man, with, with without without some type of vaccine, man, like, there's no, no getting around it. People going to get sick. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But I think that when you quarantine, you get a virus enough time for it to kind of die out. You know, you you have people who are sick, and of course, it takes weeks and weeks for them to get healthy. But if no one's out and they're and they're not spreading it, then the numbers don't move as much as they would with everybody being out. And then, like, I think that the biggest thing that they worry about is like what they call the um, the transmission rate, something like that. It's like mm-hmm. a, uh, how many people have it uh, based on how many people were tested. I think here in Texas. It was like, I think it's like 30%. Now, don't quote me. That number probably wrong. But it's like for every 10 people that they test, like three people have it. Something like that. So that's the rate they're looking at. And if it get over a certain amount, then they get nervous. So like just, I think it was like earlier in the week or last week, I was I was looking at the article. And then it said that 
that the governor was nervous because we were like over that rate and we had not been over that rate prior to. And so with with us quarantining, that number can stay down. But when everybody's out and active like that, that number just keep on going up and up and up. And that's when it gets dangerous. So I think quarantining will help. You look at other other countries like I know um, I got a co- some co-workers that stay in Dublin and Ireland. And um, they're still quarantined. Like, no one's leaving the house. And I think the numbers are drastically way lower. Of course, Ireland is a smaller country than, you know. Man. Well, uh, I know. Go ahead. Man, I know, I know exactly how to stop people from, from going out. Man, what they ought to do is, for 24, for 24 hours, they need to run a television ad of them showing and <laughs> giving people the test. They're testing people for the coronavirus because when they, when when I first saw them giving out their test and they stuck that person up their nose and all in their brain with that stick, I was like, "Oh Jesus, no! I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to see how that feels." So like, I'm more, I'm me person, I'm more afraid of the test to find out if I have COVID than I am for COVID. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're not you are not sticking that up my nose. Hey, they got nope. your brain, man. Like, <laughs> they put that long Q tip way in the back of your nose. <laughs> man, be looking like they about to die. They head be shot shooting back. They be stuck straight. I'm like, man, uh uh-uh. hey, you now, know if I, I got the coronavirus, I will find out when I'm in when I'm at the hospital. I'm not no. You're hey, not sticking that up my nose and then come back and tell me that I'm negative. You're right about that, Bradette, because that thing, I've had a little instrument plug, you know, uh, shoved in my nose and look in the back of my throat or whatever when I had like a real bad acid reflux, reflux or whatever it's called. And uh, they put numb and stuff inside that so you don't feel it. But like, I don't see nobody getting their nose. Man, they ain't giving the people no type of numb and stuff. They sticking them folks. They like, well, you shouldn't have been out. Stick. Hey, you right about that, but then I don't. Hey, I don't want to get tested, man. It looks horrible. Yes, man. They need to, they need to put that on TV and like show that for like twenty four seven. And I bet you, I bet you that'll that'll cut the race down. <laughs> man, I would I would like direct y'all to go to YouTube or probably some. Well, I, yeah, YouTube should have it. Um, and um, go look up the Spanish flu. Of 1918, there's a documentary. I believe it's like 39, 40 minutes, something like that. I can I can find it for you and actually send you the link. Um, but when when I watched it and uh, well, I first heard about it on XM Radio on a, a podcast that I was listening to when I was traveling uh, a couple of weeks ago, and so I, I was able to listen to it audio only. But then I came, I went back and watched the video and he kind of put it in a, a different perspective, but it's almost like deja vu, you know. Um, it, there's a lot that I did not know about the Spanish flu. Uh, that is not even something that they really tell people about. Like, I don't remember hearing about it in, like, history class, or they may have, like, mentioned it or something, but uh, it's almost like deja vu, man. Uh, a lot of the things that happened, I mean, we talking about 1918. Same stuff happening now. Same exact things happening now. So it's just crazy. I thought it came from, I mean, it's named Spanish flu. I thought it came from Spain or something, you know, and they saying, you know, it could have it could have originated on a farm in Kansas from pigs, you know. So it's, it's amazing how these things get their name. And when you hear you automatically think, oh, that's a way that's that, that's from way over there. 
and mm-hmm. it's really not. So uh, I would I would ask y'all to just go and watch that or go listen to it, uh, either the audio or the video. And uh, I promise you, you'd be like, what? <laughs> and people knew about this and they still doing what? So. Yeah, yeah man. I think uh, I think we was in so much of a hurry to get back to normal that they opened everything up way too fast. Like, when it was going on, I was like, why are we opening stuff up so early? Like, this is not going to help. And as soon as they open stuff up, they start shutting stuff back down. Yep. Just too early. And yep. with the government's knowledge of the, of the Spanish flu of 1918, that's why yep. I just like, why could this happen? You know, how, how, how are y'all just okay with it, opening everything back up when y'all see when y'all saw how it ended up in 1918, you know, so, and everybody out it was going to die down once the summer came and stuff like that. Uh, Arizona is, is always like 110 degrees in Arizona and right. they got some pretty high numbers. You know what I'm saying? Sure right. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. It's high. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Everybody's like, yeah, when the summertime come, you know, things just magically go away when it's, when the summer hit. Man, it's a hundred. It, it was ninety-eight degrees yesterday, and it felt like a hundred and eight. So, and it, you know, and it's still alive and well. Man. So, you know, when it does get cold outside again, that's gonna be even more of a problem, though, because you can't tell whether somebody just got a regular cold or they got that COVID. <laughs> it's gonna be. Hey. Well, well, the thing is, like you know, we got to think about, and this this was brought up in conversation the other day. We got to think about, you know, what. Or at least the government is thinking about, okay, what are they going to do when flu season kicks off, you know, yeah. beginning November, in, uh, excuse me, uh, end of November, beginning of December, all the way to what, like April? Yeah. So it's like, are you going to risk keeping everything open now? Because I, I look at it like this, okay, if the flu is going around, and of course every year it's a different strand of flu, plus you have COVID with no vaccine, and if you get both, unless the Lord Jesus. tells you that you're about to stay, you come home. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, Going home. You You leaving here. (laughs) Yeah, you're right about that. So it's just like, yeah, I I really don't get it. You know, people are so fixated on going back to normal, but I'm like, let's just accept that right now this is going to be the new normal. Yeah, for sure. And if we and if we do that, then maybe in the future when the vaccine comes and it's tested, uh tested thoroughly, because I can tell you right now, I ain't gonna be the guinea pig for the first test run. Hey, what's Uh, that first test run, by the way? Because I heard somebody say it was going to be like three grand. Did y'all I don't hear that? what you're paying me. I heard something about I ain't about to be no test dummy. You mean they give, they give out three grand for you to test it? Man, somebody said, now I could be wrong, and Jenna, you fat check me on this, but I, I I seen somewhere, maybe I dreamed it, I dreamt it, or whatever, whatever how you say it. Maybe I dreamt it, but I think somebody said it was going to be like $3,500 for a vaccine. And the argument was, most people can't even pay for a four hundred dollar emergency. You think they can pay for a third? Oh, oh, oh! You talking about them getting the vaccine and it's not covered by insurance? Somebody said it was that is including insurance. Oh. no! Get out of here! That is ridiculous. Uh-uh. Thirty five hundred. If if that is the case, that has to be the dumbest thing on the planet. There's a pandemic, and in order for you to possibly live through it, you got to pay me thirty five. Exactly. No, no. Man, as much as y'all know I talk about the government, I just don't see the government allowing that to happen. I don't see it. Well, I mean, 
I, hold I, on, I, hold I, on, JT. I think Mike about to say something profound. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Mike. I was just no. Nah, I was just hearing y'all talk about you know when things are gonna get back to normal, and what I've been wondering ever since this thing started was, hey, this is election year. You know what yep. I'm saying? I'm thinking, you know, speak on. I'm thinking, what is about to happen for election? You know, exactly. so of course they want to get everything back, back, you know, to normal. So you know, we'll be able to go vote and stuff. But it's actually, you know, with this, it's getting worse. I'm just gonna sit back and, I mean, we in July now, right? So I mean, we've been this thing since what March? Uh, uh-huh. well, supposedly we've been this thing since like December, January. But then nobody want to say nothing. So right. we've been this thing. <laughs> um, I don't see. I don't see. I'm anxious to see what's going to happen during voting times. That's what I'm just going to sit back and wait and watch and see. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. The country's going to have to do something that is never done before, and I just want to see how they're going to pull it out. I'm gonna be honest, man. I uh, I was looking up the process for absentee voting because I'm not going to stand in line. I'm sorry. Man, why can't we do like somebody mentioned? Just uh, vote on our cell phone, like everything else. Right. I don't well, it can be hacked the same way. It should be an option, though. It should be an option, like like everybody who can't do it, maybe, but it should be an option for those who can. Yes, but I've always thought that. Though. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion around it, like what you know, what I'm saying. But see, even with how voting is already how you know in some states or some counties or some cities 15 minutes down the road i'm voting electronic 15 mm-hmm. minutes this way somebody hey. voting paper backwards you know what i'm saying so yep. you know the greatest nation in the world uh we don't have a consistent voting process people vote differently in almost every city state county you know what i'm saying so uh I am just anxious to see what's going to come out of this. I'm just sitting back and wait because, uh, you know, as much as we can do everything else uh, with the, the, the greatest technology that we have, I don't understand why things are the way they are. But that ain't for me to understand. So I'm just sitting back and wait. Well, the biggest thing is, you know, Kanye West said he was he was running. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not laughing. The man said he was running for president. Who? I mean, and then Elon Musk said, I'm with you 100%. Man, get out of here, bro. That's what he said. I'm not kidding. Man, get out of here, man. That's what he tweeted. I mean, just, recently? Yes. Like, like yes, couple, yes. yeah, like yesterday. He so said, he trying to get a ride in. I'm going to be honest with you. The man said, 20 vision. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Uh, if there was ever a time that Kanye wanted to run, now is that time. He has a he actually has a fighting chance this year. Honestly, <laughs> I think he'll to the party though. The way things are going, anybody can run. Yes, <laughs> true. Uh, you you mean, actually have a chance. Look at the president we have now. I mean, anybody could. Like, it's not even a. I don't consider it a prestigious office anymore. Anybody can just get in there and do what they want to. I, I don't either, man. When I was growing up, I used to think it was, you know, it took a, a lot of effort. It took a certain skill set. But now I'm just like, bro, you can grab somebody off the street. I mean, I'm going to just say this real quick. real have power or money or one or the other, though. I'm, I'm going to say this real quick, <laughs> and uh, and we can probably change subjects. But this, 
a little joke. Um, I just started. I just started back watching The Office. I watched it when I was overseas, but uh, I just started back watching it. I'm not sure if y'all seen it or what. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like a nerdy show, or whatever. But Michael Scott has reminded me so much of President Trump. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. that I'm just you know like the things he say, the way he act. I'm just like, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. Mike was so freaking selfish and self-centered. <laughs> I mean, sexist, racist, all everything. But uh, man, you know, I, I never actually just watched the office. Oh man, it's a great show. Watch it. I, got- I've heard people say it, but I've never just tuned in and watched it. How many seasons? Oh, a it's a good bit. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say give it a couple of episodes. It took me like I think it was the fourth episode. Um, it was specifically the fourth episode of the first season when they had the basketball tournament, and it was just oh. so funny to me because they assumed the one black guy on there, this uh, family <laughs> could play basketball, yes, and he was garbage. And I just thought it was so hilarious. That they were like, he was like, "Oh, Stanley's gonna be on my team, of course," and he was like, "What you mean, of course?" And he like couldn't even make a paper ball near the trash can, and then they had like this other lady named Phyllis. Who could hoop? Like she was she hooping, did. and this one dude was throwing threes at the end of the episode. And they were like, he, just because he was fat and dumb, they said he was fat and dumb. They didn't want him on the team. It was so like it was. It just flipped like everyone's pre preconceived notions of like who could play basketball. That that made me interested in the episode yeah. in, in the office. But like the first three, I almost cut it off. I was like, I'm gonna try. Yeah. I'm let me watch one more. And yeah. if it hadn't have made it after the fourth episode, uh yeah, I don't know if I'd have finished watching the seasons, but it got better. It's a so really you have good to show. be patient with it. It's a really good show. It's I love I love Stanley, man, because Stanley was like like you you never knew that Stanley was there. And every <laughs> time every time like an opportunity came up where they had to go and do something, Stanley will always try to volunteer. So that he can stay at home, or he, or or better yet, when he started, and then he started volunteering to go on the trips because he wanted to go and cheat on his wife. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, anytime they had to do something in the office where they had to work as a team, Stanley would try to find some type of reason not to be able to participate so he could go back to his desk and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a really. I, I, originally, I didn't like it. Like. Because Bernays used to watch it all the time. I did not like it. But I then the show, I guess I got a little older and I actually like yeah. sit and actually watch the episode. And it's hilarious, man. It is, man. It I is, will man. say this though, like if, if you're easily offended, you may not be some oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but you know, a lot of those guys on that show end up having really good careers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but uh anyway, man, let's let's get ready. Y'all ready to jump into some of these topics? Yeah, we got. Let's do it, man. So, uh, I want. I want to. Let's tackle. Let's tackle this one first, man. So, uh, we know with like with the Black Lives Matter movement that's been going on, uh, a lot of things that a lot of a lot of people have been, you know, putting a lot of focus on, like the statues coming down, and uh, one thing in particular is the Mississippi flag, the state flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, has ties to the Confederacy and so forth. And, you know, the Confederacy, racism, KKK, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so recently, the, well, Mississippi have, have voted out that flag and in the process of coming up with another flag. 
Uh, like, what are you guys' thought of, thoughts on that? Do you think that's a win for Mississippi or this I mean, is going to fall another I, problem? I think. I mean, of course, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have individuals that disagree with it or whatnot. But I I think it was a good step. You know, I feel like the flag should have been brought down years ago. I know it was voted on years ago. Um, granted, you know, certain situations wasn't occurring in the public eye, so people weren't paying too much attention to what was going on and what it meant. But I, I mean, I'm happy it's getting brought down. The thing I like most like most about this situation is showing people it's showing me who the individuals I need to stay away from. Right. You got so many people trying to defend the flag. But what I catch is every time they're defending that flag, the only statement they're saying is it is historic or is their history. And mm -hmm. my rebuttal always is like, OK, you know who used to say that? A lot of Germans who agree with the Nazis. They used to say it represented a strong nation. I was like, so how are you? What are you saying that's any different from that? And it's wrong. I said, because if you if you hold up a, a Nazi flag, bro, you, you, you ain't making it. You know what I'm saying? So why is this flag any different? You know, and it, and, it, and is it truly historic? It was up for what? Um, well, during that time process where uh, they split apart or when it was what three years, three or four mm -hmm. years, something like that. So I'm like, yep. was it really that historic to where you feel like it represents the South? Like, nah. You you let's say just say what you really want to say, and it's it's a and also for people who, um, uh, I think it's also enlightening a lot of people on the other on the uh, opposite spectrum who are you know of the white race and whatnot, and they're they're witnessing a lot of family members, and they might be witnessing some of the uh, you know prejudice things that they were taught coming up. Because I remember watching this video. I think we talked about this girl staying toe to toe with her parents. I'm talking about going at it mm -hmm. with them about their racist beliefs. And she wasn't backing mm -hmm. down. And I was like, you know, and then matter of fact, one of my old neighbors, her daughter is standing toe to toe to a whole bunch of her racist friends and family members. And she flat out like every day she's posting stuff, historical facts and whatnot. And she flat out said, if you are defending this flag, she said, please don't ever speak to me ever again, because mm -hmm. it's, it's views that you have that I cannot agree with. And it's just flat out wrong. She said, there's no way that I can simply live in the same place with you if you feel like this flag doesn't represent racism in any form of fashion. So here's my question though. Is it is it possible to uh love that flag and not be racist? Well the fact that you're loving a flag I don't get personally. I mean it's just a piece of cloth really um so there's i just because it's not necessarily the flag i feel like if you really know the history of why the flag uh the confederate flag and the i guess the mississippi flag if you want to put it in there but i feel like people just wanted something to fight over as far as the mississippi flag goes and then but the fact that it was the confederate flag on there is what they're really fighting for mm -hmm. um but it's just like if you really know the confederate flag wasn't even like an official confederate flag but right. then it wasn't even like flown around after they lost. It really didn't come around until um, Jim Crow era when they needed they needed a representation of uh, holding systemically holding black African holding back black people in voting and um, advancement in citizenship and you know all that good stuff equal rights. So that I think it was like the it was it it was revamped like in the nineteen. 60s or 50s when African Americans started to vote again because it was it was brought up in Reconstruction 
during Reconstruction because they were voting and they were putting in black congressmen and all that. And then, you know, I guess it, you know, KKK and all that stuff, it's all linked. Like it was used as a mm-hmm. symbol to keep stuff white and to keep stuff in unequal. And so, yeah, I think it's just like, I don't think you can be, you're either ignorant or racist, but mostly right. ignorantly racist if you if you support the flag because if you because i'm sure a lot of people don't necessarily know the the uh, history of the confederate flag but there's still like there's a link like the people that strongly support it and they passed it down through their family to support it have a link to that that racist background anyway so that's what i think about it there's there's no way for you to like just like the flag who just right. likes the flag yeah and my my take on it, and I'm with Jenna too, you know. But my take on it is, because um, I think um, I w- I was talking with someone, and uh, we kind of was start talking about it, and it was like, okay, so the Confederacy only lasted what about five years, mm-hmm. um, and say you know they they say hey taking this flag away is like taking away our heritage or something like that, and blah blah blah, <laughs> and they were saying uh, okay, was how long did slavery last? But everybody's right. like, oh, why, why y'all just can't get over it? It was for you know what I'm saying? It's so long ago. It was like, yeah, but slavery lasted a lot longer than the Confederacy, didn't it? Right. <laughs> you know, so, but just like Jenna said, you know, some people, they, they just, they fight over the craziest thing, want to hold on to the craziest things. But uh, just like JT said, I believe it's a start, but it's the flag, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to, it's a start, but unless more action is followed up, that's, you know, civil, you know, that'll actually help the civilians, uh, I'm sorry, the citizens, um, then it's just a gesture, you know what I'm saying? Because didn't it take, um, and it probably didn't take this, but I know this happened, then uh, what, one of the sports, um, yeah. um, one of the sports, they, they put pressure on them or something, right? The, SEC, yeah. the, the SEC or the NCAA? The NCAA, the NCAA told, uh, was it the SEC or Mississippi State? They told Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Yeah, they told the state of Mississippi, basically all the SEC schools in the state of Mississippi, they said, hey, we're not going to host any championships or anything like that in the state of Mississippi if y'all still have that flag up. And that's the only thing. It's like, why? Why? I mean, I'm glad that they decided to vote it down. They, they had. Like it's that. the same thing that they say that started the Civil War. It had nothing to do with black people. It is only about the pockets. So, like, yep. there's. Like, I'm not really even concerned. Like, okay, great, you put it down. But if if Keenum and if the NCAA and like all those other people, like, shout out to Colin Hill. But Colin Hill is a drop in the bucket. They can't. They care. They care. Don't get me wrong. You you push some white people to move in the right direction. However, at the end of the day, it's only about the pockets. It doesn't. They don't mm-hmm. care about black people. But Just listen. the same way they were like, if we could keep the slaves and, and keep our money for cotton, the only reason they didn't want to get rid of slaves is because they were producing cotton, which was the main right. producer in the South. So if that wasn't a thing. They would have been like, oh yeah. That's fine, whatever. You know, it wasn't even about that. And it's the same thing with the flag. But you'll never be able to change the hearts. You can't change the heart, but you can change the the action. And the only way to get them to change their actions, if you can't get to the heart, is to affect the pockets. 
That's, That's it. how it is. Like, we can't stop people from being racist, but you can't stop them from acting out in, as a result of racism in public if they know there are they got they're gonna be held accountable each and every time that they do it. The same thing with, with police brutality. You can't stop him from being prejudiced and being racist and different things like that, but you can't stop them from acting out because if they do, mm-hmm. they're gonna be held accountable. That's what we can do. So that's what I that's True. to me that is important. Now, like y'all was saying, the whole flag thing is like, man, listen, I'm like Jenna. Who really cares about a flag? It's all about symbolism. Like to me, it's really weird to like really idolize a flag, and it's not so. It's not the flag; it's the idea of the flag. And I think a lot of times, the same people who who say stuff like, "Oh, well, it's our heritage," are the same people who really deep down, wholeheartedly, they don't really like to see black people in the progression, not just black people. They don't want to see the rights and the the um, the the momentum that the white race right has achieved. And like when you take the flag down, you're almost like taking them out of the power that they have. And I don't think they like that. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think it all has to do with the power. That that power that they have. Like and, and now they're starting to see, oh, we're we're gonna have to start sharing space with black people or sharing space with 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 minorities. Wait a minute. White power. Like <laughs> that that's that's what I think. I don't think it has anything to do with that darn flag. Because if you really respect the flag, you wouldn't do some of the things you do with the flag. Like, for example, United States flag. You ain't supposed to have that on your, on you know, on your hats and on your shirts and all that stuff. Legally, nope. it says you're supposed to just fly it. You know, it ain't supposed to be on like, you know, um, uh, apparel and things like that. They don't, they don't right. care about the real laws and stuff like that. They don't care about that stuff. It's the symbolism behind it. That's what I think. Exactly right. I always attack the pockets, man. That's with anything yep. in life. I yep. always attack the pockets because no one cares about anything else. <laughs> exactly. Just, if it doesn't affect them financially and their lifestyle, yeah, they don't care. Yeah. Money, 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 money. But it's just it's human logic, though. It's, it's human logic. Like we see stuff on TV. You know, think about it. Not not even just a a, a racial thing, but like. You know, we're looking at uh, a classism thing, too. You see people who are less fortunate or you see things that's going on in other countries and stuff. And you're just like, is that happening here? Like, <laughs> like if it's not happening near you, you don't even care. Like, let's say a hurricane came through and wiped out, like, the whole city. Like, you're like, wait a minute. Is that hurricane headed our direction? Oh, no. Okay, cool. And you next, you don't care. But if yep. that joke is headed in your direction, it's going to be at your front door. COVID, for example. You don't care if it ain't touching you. But as soon as you find out one of your family members got COVID or you've been exposed, all mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, hey, let me start washing my hands. Like, man, hey, can't mm-hmm. wash my hands. What's going on, man? So yeah, you wash your hands all year. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, man. I'll, I'll, I always go for the pockets, and that's why it's so important. You know, what I'm saying for us, you know, as blacks, to you know, put our money where it needs to be, you know what I'm saying, just so uh, we can actually obtain some of that power for ourselves, you know, that's why it's so important, you know, uh, think uh, Netflix, you know, just just gave, what, $100 million to, you know, to put toward a black-owned bank, so if the black community kind of stick together and we stop buying all this other stuff that don't 
that won't give us any type of wealth or any type of generational nothing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we start putting our money in places where it can actually benefit us and our generations and our community. Then, you know, we we can really take over what we you know, what I'm saying like <laughs> because if if we start buying black and buying this and we take away from all these other companies, cause we ain't doing it, but putting money in their pockets. Put them in their pocket so they don't care. They can issue a statement all day. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, our um, our sales declined fifteen percent over the past month. What it do must, we do? It, it must be this. Uh, let's put out a statement. Oh, now now all the black people supporting this company. Let's put out the statement. Oh, they for us. Let's, you know they don't care. It's a statement. Not at all. I told you. It's a statement. Anybody can put out a statement when you start affecting mm-hmm. their pockets. Mm-hmm. But what action are you doing? So you put out a statement and give. Put out a statement and put some action. Anybody can have a public affairs person. Hey, write some up and post it on Twitter real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. get out, man. Next month, sales. I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because it made me think about. It. We all know throughout history, black people have tried to create our own communities, and for the period of time that we successfully did that, those communities were successful. Like we had hospitals, we had schools, we had banks. I feel like now that everything is more so in the public eye, is the perfect time to go to start back doing that. Like you said, I would like, agree. this is the perfect time because now let's say if we start that uh, uh, black community. We have our schools, have our like private schools and and dictate our education, have our banks and all the stuff like that and up and, and uplift our neighborhoods and affect our community in a positive light. I feel like now if something were to again you know, back to historical facts, take out our neighborhoods, it was, it's already in the public eye. And now, and now it just won't be swept under the rug like it was in the past. Here's what I say though, man. You know, and I think I, I think when I when we posted about Netflix, you know, there was a thing that I said. Um, the only way, the so yes, I think it's a great thing that Netflix is 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 putting out this money into uh, black-owned banks. But my thing is, if there are no black people who are uh, contributing to that bank or banking there then it's just a waste of time because if you look at it you see more iranians chinese and so forth that are banking at black owned banks and getting the rates that really were set up for us because we don't even go to our own banks we take our money and go to wells fargo and and trustmark and you know what i'm saying versus going to an actual black owned bank and banking black you know what i'm saying so, I, I mean, it's a great thing, but it's, it's not going to benefit us all the way if black people don't start putting their money in black-owned banks. I agree. I, I, I agree with you, but, but I think the, the fact that they made that step of doing that and, of course, you know, people spreading the word, I think that's going to push a lot of black people to do it. Yeah, and I would agree with that because I know, and I could just speak for myself personally, um, you know, it's something that I'm actually looking into now because of everything that's going on. Uh, but, you know, just sometimes, especially when it comes to like your money, you know what I'm saying? You just want to make sure it's in an institution where it's easy to get, you know, they may mm-hmm. have apps and, you know, so you, you, you put your money where it's more convenient for you to have your money and where you think your money is safer because it's well established. You know what I'm saying? But I think that if we get more publicity of a lot of these black owned banks um, and then we can put start putting more money into them, 
then if they, you know, then we can know more about them. They can have enough money to, you know, be as convenient as any other bank, you know, have a nice app, you know, have, you know, things that you still want because you don't want to, I mean, and then you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket either. You know what I'm saying? You can still have multiple banks. So if you just want to throw some money in this bank, uh -huh. just, hey, I'm helping out with this. You know, I'm not saying everybody take all their money out and throw all of it in here. It's going to be a gradual process because this is something that we never really had to go through before. But I think this is the start of something good if it continues. And just like uh, JT said, you know, when we had our own communities and our own banks and things like that, they 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 saw that they were intimidated by that so they destroyed it uh, mm -hmm. technology and social media we got now like i would it would you know i'm not gonna say this but <laughs> no man no. speak your mind we can it, edit <laughs> it would be no one is i don't think anyone would have the courage to try to uh destroy um a black owned community like it was done in the past using those same methods as far as yeah. coming down trying to burn it down stuff like that with i mean with the people that we have with uh the our younger generations and like i said with technology camera social media the instant you know publications everything you know something happening you know i can record it now it can be across the world in a couple of minutes everybody can see it you know so uh i think we have a better chance we now we just have to pull together to figure out what our strategy is. How can we do like they did before, and how can we make it successful? It's a good point. It's a very good point. Very good point. So I don't know how to do that, but I'm sure we can pull. I mean, everybody put their minds together. I'm sure we can come up with a good strategy. You know what I'm saying on how to do it. I'm, I'm sure somebody's already. Thinking of that strategy now, I'm probably trying to execute it. But, you know, this where, like I said, this where social media can come in. That's a good thing and stuff like that. We start promoting the things that we need to promote. Um, you know, get these black. Now, there are a lot of black businesses, but get these black businesses the the education that they need as well to be able to successfully run their business. A lot of people have good products, but they have horrible service. And for me, that's a I'm you know, I like good product, but I like good service, too. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that the black businesses also come with educating people how to effectively run a business. Does anybody yeah. have a sell it? Mike, I'm just thinking about, thinking about how would they bank, and I'm sure there are banks out there, there are black-owned banks that are successful, but like, I'm just, first I was thinking about how how can one start a bank, and then I, I was thinking about how can a bank be successful, and then I know that a bank's success relies off to the back of businesses because they're the ones that are getting the loans, right? They're the ones that um, are pretty much, um, they're funding the bank, you know? Not, so not, not just, the, not just the, the everyday personal consumer, but the business, businesses as well. So I'm just thinking like, like I can foresee that being a problem if it's not, Black-owned businesses that are doing business with the bank, and do you foresee uh, racism being an issue as far as like you know these other big businesses or these other businesses who are more established to even do business with the black-owned business, the black the black-owned bank? 
So I think that it's all a process. So I actually, I wanted to start a bank some years ago. So I did a lot of research in how to start up a bank. Um, yeah, it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's a lot of course, but more than anything, paperwork, it's a lot of money. Like you need a lot of capital to start a bank. And I ain't, I ain't talking about a couple hundred thousand. I'm talking about a few, a, a few million, you know. And so, but so that would take a good community pooling together. So if a community pools pools together, it can happen, man. Like mm-hmm. it, it it can happen. It may not be one in every, you know, what I'm saying city or one in every, you know, it could be one in every state. It could be one station here that serves, you know, one or two you know, states or you know, just for now until we can get to where we need to be. But it's a it's a long process. A lot of the people who have banks already, like I said, they're well established. They started years ago, and you know they have the networking connections to be able to, you know, uh, let this company. Hey, uh, can y'all help me with with this bank? And they get three or four companies, pull them t- together. They got the millions that they need to start a bank, and it's just that easy for them. It ain't that easy for us to do it. <laughs> but you know, we have to. I mean, we 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 behind man we 400 years behind like while we were working for free building their wealth we were not mm. building anything for ourselves could man i'm just thinking like i think one <laughs> they, way- they caught you with a book trying to figure some things out it was a wrap for you yeah <laughs> he's getting smart sure i think one way we could do is kind of like you know we could kind of rally behind the bank. So like, yeah, like you said, we have social media, we have all these communication out, outlets to be able to uh, to kind of get the word out. Not sure, I'm sure there are already established bad banks who are doing well and stuff, but like some of the up and coming ones or or maybe even the ones who just aren't there yet, as big as the you know the, the banks of Bank of America's and the, the Wells Fargo's, and we could all just like rally behind one or two and start off like that. And then we start really, like you said, like we don't have to give all our money to the bank, but like, you know, maybe we could, everybody, we could just do $50, you know, just putting our money into this bank to get this bank going. And then once this bank get get established and, and, and they're doing well, then we can focus on another one, you know, and we can kind of funnel ourselves as a, as a, uh, as a society to be able to uplift those things. I think that would be a, a, a big way that we could do it realistically. I don't know how realistic it could be, but I think that would be really, really cool if we could do that. Man, first of all, you know, there's there's a good bit of black banks that are already established. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think the closest one here in Mississippi is going to be Louisiana. I think there's one in Atlanta, um, Texas, so forth. So they're out there. It's just the fact that uh, not too many black people are taking advantage of them. I think that's the problem. Um, and they, and when I say established, like these banks been, been, been in service 10 plus years. They, um, they, um, the, uh, their portfolio, the amount of money that they have in those banks is well over a hundred million. So it's just the fact that black people <clears throat> are not, um, well educated on these banks and, and being able to get in touch with them and being able to bank with them. And like I said, you have all these other minorities that are taking advantage of black banks. How many banks and do you think there are that are black owned in the state of Mississippi? I, I don't. There, there aren't any. There are. How many? There's two. Two banks. One in Jackson called Liberty Bank. I'm sure y'all have heard that before. 
Yeah, three banks, black owned, and then one United Bank is another one. It's got like ATM locations, but that's yeah. the second one. So it's just so two state of Mississippi, <clears throat> but I think it's like thirty-eight total in the whole United States. Yes, there yes, you go. And that's including the credit unions. But <clears throat> now, one now one United, that's one of the bigger ones that I know of. It's, a, I, it's like in all the states, mostly yes. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most established. I think that was the first one back with Abraham Lincoln. I think it was the like one of the first black owned banks that was established. But that makes up a good bit of the 38 cuz think about it. It's it's like one in pretty much almost every state. So one united by itself probably takes up the majority of that 38 number. Mhm. Is that is that what it's saying or is it 38 banks? 38 banks. In the United States. Okay, so it, it's just in, it's counting itself one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like one United would be what is it called? United One Bank. One United. One United Bank is one bank. Liberty Bank is one bank. But, but I've never heard of the. I've never. I, honestly, I've really never have heard of One United Bank. I, I honestly never really heard of a black-owned bank. Me neither. And I kind of wanted to back up a little bit because. Like when Burdell had uh, sent the a link that Netflix had decided to invest, what was it, two percent of mm-hmm. of their in their cash, which was a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. into into black owned banks. So me, I, I wish two percent of my money was a hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll show cash. you what to do with it, man. How to make some changes around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I, but yeah, I was first I was like, you know, black owned bank. I know like um Capway was um is a financial it's not a financial institution. Well, I think it's a bank now, but at first it was kind of like a resource for people to get credit cards. I'm not sure. Yeah, um that's like more financial services. Okay, financial services. And um, but like I never really thought about I just thought a bank was just a thing, like an institution that just pops up out of nowhere. I just never even thought about the fact that banks could be could be black owned, and I never even considered it. Um, so I do think it's it's interesting for I think a lot of people who are in the world. Let's just start with just black people. There are a lot of black people in the world who didn't even know about Juneteenth, and um, so like I think a lot of black people don't know about black owned banks myself included, that there is a bank that could actually support your cause. And um, and some people wonder, like, what is the importance of things being Black-owned? It's just really, it's just inclusivity. If you don't have an institution that understands your struggle or your life, um, then you don't necessarily get the service you are pro- provided that it's, you need, just like Black it's, doctors. It's, it's the process for Black people to uh how do I don't want to say it. It's it's the process of black people being able to uh get a taste of black privilege. Because they care about you as a people. We're not necessarily like and I I don't think sometimes like I'm not gonna say all white people are racist, but a lot of white people live in their bubble of mostly whiteness, so they don't necessarily understand blackness or any other culture so when they see when they they can relate to the little uh young white boy who knocks over mailboxes in the neighborhood oh he's just going through some things but then when they see like 
uh, a little black boy knocking over mailboxes. He's a vandal. He's a monster. He needs to be he's put away. He tried as an adult. He's a hoodlum because he does. They don't connect with them because they don't see him. And that's the importance of black owned things, black owned banks, black doctors, because they see you because they, they live with you. They're, they're your mother, they're your father, they're your aunts, they're your uncles. And um, so I think that's important to know. Uh, I found that Investopedia is the uh, link that I found that actually talks about the history of black owned banks and it lists black owned banks in every state. It's broken down. Guess um, what state has the most though? No, no, no. Georgia. Georgia. Atlanta has so many black yeah. owned banks. Yeah. Of course, that's Wakanda. <laughs> That's what they say. They say that's what comes. Yeah. So yeah, and so um, and I get that. I guess I, I get that to a point. You can be in in Atlanta or the Atlanta area and go. It's kind of like in ATL. Okay, just like the movie. There's a spectrum of blackness in Atlanta that you can be exposed, yeah. and it's it's okay. But like, <laughs> Atlanta probably has the most wealthiest mm-hmm. of our generation. There, uh, there are a lot of people in their twenties and early thirties that are that have six figure salaries, like a lot, a lot. Is, Not, you know what I'm saying? That there are twenty five year olds with legitimate jobs driving Maseratis, you know. Yeah. What I'm New Mercedes Benz, like you know, that are not rappers. They're you know, they're straight legitimate money. It, there's a lot or of opportunities. Business owners. Yeah, yeah, or or business owners. Um, I think. So- Per capita, that thing they do have the most wealthiest black people in our generation. Oh, d- so, definitely. So, I remember. Go ahead. So is Wakanda? I mean, Atlanta, the new Harlem? Because you know how Harlem was like the place for black people to go back in like, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. You know what I'm saying? That was like the place to go. So like, it seems like Atlanta is now the new Harlem. What do y'all think? Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I guess so. I think Harlem, yeah, because it was kind of more like a safe haven where it was like freedom of expression and artistic development and in the in I guess in the same time. I could kind of see I could kind of see what you mean. Yeah. But it's more modern. <laughs> Well, of course, yeah, of course. More modernized yeah. version of Harlem. But, but but during this time, it was like modern, you yeah. know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always yeah. thought about Harlem as like a artistic, like I think of the Harlem Renaissance. So it's like art and culture was being expressed more freely there. But yeah. I guess Atlanta could be is the same that's way. The same, that's the same thing in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> they express everything in Atlanta. <laughs> Mike giving us a tour. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I definitely think um kind of going back to the Netflix, <laughs> the Netflix thing is that um I do think it's a good idea for companies to in put put their money in all banks, all community style banks just to show that inclusivity. But just if we're focusing just on the black community, I do think it's a good idea that they've invested in, uh, put their money into banks that are in black communities, uh, especially if the money goes in the, is used in the right way. It's just not just, I guess, 
helping whatever cause. Because I don't know. I just think it's, it's yeah, you can have the money, but what are you going to do with it if you have it? What's it used for is, is yeah. another. Man, uh, here's my thing, though. Uh, like me personally, uh, I always I, I I really would want my own bank, um, cause y'all y'all already know I I my goal is like to have like a really dope church, and then at the same time I want to have my church to have its own school, and I also was like I want my own bank, because uh, if there's ever anything you need, I don't feel you should have to go outside to get what it is that you need. We should always be able to provide you with whatever you need. Whatever that comes up, we should be able to take care of it in-house. Uh, now, my thing is, uh, when people go <clears throat> and say, hey, I want to take out a business loan to, to start this business, it's easy to get the money. Not necessarily, but you can get the money. But the problem is, what are the chances of you failing at, 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 at this business? What I want to do is, not only are we going to help you, you know what I'm saying, with the money, but we're going to surround you with a team of people that's going to help coach you and help you build your business so that it won't fail. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think that's I think that's another thing that we've been missing out on is that if we're going to give someone, you know, 100 to 200K or whatever it is they need to get started, that capital, Man, we need to make sure that we set them up for success. Like, we need to have them in some type of training. We need to align them with the right people that can come in and help them build their business so it won't fail, you know? And and, and I think that's something that we've been missing out on. Yeah. yeah. The right, the resources, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was just talking about. And that's what, because, like I said, there are a lot of good products now. I'm just using this for an example. Like, so Simone, every time she must go get her hair done, like, she has the worst look with, like, uh, hairstylists. Because, like, they do good products. So, you know, they have good product. They do great hair, great braids, or natural hair, or whatever. But when it comes down to either the scheduling, the booking, or the service, it's, like, always horrible. And you're like, man, like, why can't, you know, I find more, you know, of you know hairstylists that I can get the full package, not just a good product. I want good service, you know, and good everything else. And yeah, man, that's what I say. Speaking from experience, that is a diving in the rough. And I don't know how barbers do, but I know like if you can find like a, a hairstylist, like I found one in Mississippi, and now I'm trying to find one in Texas. That you know, she schedules, she sticks to it. She has she has rules, but it's just to make your experience better. And like when I go in and get my hair done. Um, I have, it's me and her and we have conversations. Yep. We are, I'm comfortable. And, yep. uh, and I would wish like if my hair lasted that long, I would just go to Mississippi, but uh, my resources can't do it like that. And I got to find one in Texas, but yeah, I totally get that. I think all businesses and yeah, like, especially like those self owned, self operated businesses could, 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 uh, thrive in that. Yeah, um, man. Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to, I actually wanted, because she kept telling me about it, like everybody that she kept uh, telling me about, I wanted to actually go to them and be like, hey, I can help you with your business. You know, I can get mm-hmm. you set up with, you know, a nice booking, scheduling system, and, you know, we can help with the customer service skills and things like that. But, you know, you you don't know how to approach people about their business, you know, because yeah. everybody's not, everybody's yeah. not willing to, yeah. you know. not your job to worry about, Mike. All you can do is offer your service and yep. then they, that's on them. 
Yeah, I wouldn't stress yourself about that. Just offer the service like you said. We already told you what moves people, and that's money. So if you go in and let them know up front, hey, you know, I've been watching, I've been watching your business. I've had a couple people to come through here, and I've received feedback from them. And what I've learned is you're missing out on a lot of money potential, a lot of earning potential. You're missing out on it. And I can actually teach you those things and allow you to be able to reach those goals that you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. But here's my fee. Yeah. And I think that's that's actually what I'm going to start with, because, you know, I was doing restaurants at one time. Uh, but I think uh, there's a because, man, they make a lot of money. Hairstylists make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. That's one good way to. That's one good way to strengthen our black community right there. Is just going toward just going to the hairstylists because they make a lot of money. <laughs> we need to buy hair stores. Yeah, yeah. Take back our hair stores because we know we know where the products and stuff are. Yes. Uh, I well, mean, if, if Madam yeah. C.J. Walker can make can be a, a millionaire back in the day, <laughs> can you imagine what a black person can be today? Listen, what about a black-owned gas station? I always wanted a gas station, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, no I, I know someone who wanted a gas station, too. And I, I was Trash. like, hey, when you wanted to, if you want to, hey, if you need management, I, I if you want to put in the financial, I don't have the financial to start it. But if you need management, just let me know. Let me know, and I'll be there. Yeah. I'll be a part of, like, an independently-owned operation. That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, but like, that's why we have to start somewhere. And that's why the black owned banks are important. But so I just looked up some on one United. That's like they're one of the biggest ones. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that they would have actual products for like business loans and stuff like that. I actually only see checking and savings account and a secure credit. That's all I seen too. So mm-hmm. that's, I guess another thing, you know, I guess, well, I guess they probably, they're even though they may be the biggest one right now, since they're still small and slim compared to the more well-established institutions, they may not have the resources right now to be able to offer those loans. You know what I'm saying? They can probably offer some, but you can't put it on your website unless you got enough to, you know, offer a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this man, so many ideas, so many. Mm-hmm. Ideas. We just need to like. I guess the hard part is like, who do we talk to? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, like we know what needs to be done. We just don't know how to do it and who to who's going to drive it. I know it's not going to be one person. You know what I'm saying? But that's the it takes hard. A team. Yeah, it takes a team. Yeah. Well, I definitely think Netflix is in the right direction, and I really hope that uh, other companies follow suit. Um, in the article, um, hold on, I have to find it. Real quick. Um, Smith. Under um, the sea? No, no. Would you just whistle it under the sea? No, I just, I don't know. I just made a little little tune. (laughs) It it sounded like the little mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. I don't, I didn't mean to do that. Just go but um, Robert Smith, I, you know, he had commented on Netflix's um, investment, and he said that the in like if major U.S. companies, this is quoted, invest two percent of profits in left behind communi- communities, we can close the racial wealth gap in ten years. And well, for one, I do think like 
just if companies invested 2% of their profits, especially Google, Netflix, these huge companies. Amazon. Yes, the 2%. You know, pause real quick. Jeff Bezos made all his money back plus from mm-hmm. since before his divorce. Do y'all know that? Yep. He's make he's making bank. Like he is back up there, but like as an individual, not even just like Amazon, just as an it's individual. Crazy. Because he has like 51 or 57% of his stocks that he owns. But anyway, I, I digress. That was a tangent. Um, so back to the resources that if those major companies just put 2%, which is a huge amount, just like Mike was saying, they can actually provide loans because, yeah, that is a good point, Mike. Just like they might want to provide loans and they may want to provide, they already do financial education, but if they, they want to do the whole thing, they do need that, that, that fiscal resources. So I think well, I see they got home loans, commercial real estate loans, and multifamily loans, but I don't mm-hmm. see like bank loans. Not bank loans, like business, business loans. loans. Because maybe because you know, like I'm sure for home loans or home loans are already a, a good bit of money, but then like for business loans, they need way more oh, uh sure. you know financial backing to to help that. But I think with like the money that's a bit that if you get more money put into your bank, that's what gives you the money to give out these loans. But check, you, we talk about like companies and stuff who really don't care about us. Yeah, but yeah, we don't I, care what they care about. Just put the money in the bank but, but yeah, and I, leave I, it. And I'm cool with that. But like we ourselves could invest our own money. Oh yeah. Oh, like yeah, yeah. We, we ourselves could like literally take a small percent of what we have and put it into something. You know what I mean? Well, like, and, that, and that's what Mike was talking about earlier. He was saying, you know, of course, don't put all your eggs in one basket, but to right. sprinkle it across the board and stuff. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. We ourselves can take what we have and put it into something. We all come together as a whole and say, you know what? We want One United, just for an example, to be to have this, this and this, this and this. So we, we want this company to be here. Everybody, if we all can pull our resources, we don't have to give. If you can give, give, but give something because this is what we want as a whole. We could do it. We have so much buying power, but the issue is we can't come together to do anything. Uh Or we can come together, but we haven't yet. Let's say it like that. We haven't yet come together to do anything as a whole. We're not focused on anything. We're I, just kind of. I think the process that were done on um, the last month were like the most togetherness that mm-hmm. I've seen. Yeah. From a people. From a I people. So. I wouldn't say like just black people, but just as a whole. Mm-hmm. A lot of people involved. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to, like you said, we got to start somewhere. So, you know, with everything going on now, like we just trying to stay alive at this point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. What's our next topic? Oh, I okay. Actually, I think Bradell, you had mentioned this about um, essential workers and um, paying essential workers, even though they're still working, just like how people who are unemployed get six hundred dollars of extension on their unemployment. Brad, where you at? My bad. I was sitting here talking, man. <laughs> you know, I be putting it on mute on accident. But yeah, uh, what do y'all think about that, man? Do y'all think that the the essential workers should receive extra six hundred dollars, like the unemployment people? 
Is it? A I mean, I, I I get I get their point in saying it, and reason why I say that because you know a lot of them might have kids or something like that, and they're forced to whether it be because you know you still have some daycares that are possibly open, um, and they're forced to put their kids in places that might not be 100 percent safe because they're forced to continue working during this pandemic. So some of them might feel like, hey, I should get extra too because I'm putting myself and my family in potential danger and stuff like that. So I, I get it. Um, how is it going to work itself out or the numbers as far as that? I'm not sure about that, but I do get the argument. And I'm so, about it. so here's the thing. I feel I, I feel indifferent. And here's why. Um, and and hopefully y'all can kind of like persuade me to go the other way. But I don't see why they should get an extra six hundred dollars. Like, not um, it, it, huh? <laughs> go ahead. I said so. You're not indifferent. You are persuaded in a certain way. But go ahead. No, I'm just saying maybe y'all can you know because I know some of y'all was like yeah they should get an extra they should get the six hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. But but anyway, what, what man I. I don't want to sound like a butthole, but like you choose your career, you choose the field that you want to go into, you you choose where you want to work, and that's always the risk that you choose. Like when I when I worked for a company, man, I didn't get holidays off. You know what I'm saying? I always had to work on holidays. I used to hate it, you know. And you know, if you go into the medical field, you sh- you automatically understand like, hey, if something happens, like I got to put in extra work here, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, you know, the people, the, a lot of the essential workers are looking at the ones who are receiving unemployment and they're looking down on them like, man, I can't believe they get unemployment and I got to go to work and blah, 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 blah. But like, if you really think about it, man, that unemployment ain't really paying for no, paying no bills. It ain't really, it ain't really helping people like, it should, you know what I'm saying? Like if you was bringing home three grand a month and now you get unemployment, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Like what is it really? What is it really doing other than you know, giving you just enough time to be able to stick your head above the water, catch one quick breath, and go back under again? So like, I just think that, uh, I just think that a lot of people really like the ones who are saying that they should receive an extra six hundred dollars because they are such a worker. I think they really should just be counting their blessings that their job is still available, man. Because, man, a lot of people lost their income. Brunel, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you this, that I'm going to jump on the butthole bandwagon, and I'm going to agree. Come on with it, Jenna. Come on with it. If there was video, I stuck my hands in the air. I was like, yes, because and, and this is as my point of view is as a person who is currently seeking benefits from unemployment. You um, Yes, I've been furloughed since March, y'all. So Ooh. I just know that... Um, I didn't choose to be furloughed. I didn't choose to not have my job. And I think it is a benefit. Now, I will say, I uh, I don't know about $600 extra a month because you chose to for your position that you had and you were able to keep wherever you are as an essential worker. Um, but I do think that they should get some kind of sub- stimulus, like extra stimulus on top of what people who were unemployed would get. Just saying, just like how JT was saying, some people, they were already going to work, but their kids had somewhere to go. So now their kids, they, they have to figure out how to, you know, take care of their kids on, on in addition to what they, um, because their kids were going to school and they didn't have to pay for, for care. So I think that maybe they should be getting some kind of 
maybe a one-time stimulus, but at the same time, it's like your lifestyle, like your job and your position, if you didn't have to figure out how to figure out how to find a new job and what you were going to do as a personal unemployment, I have to go in every two weeks and request it. So I can't even guarantee you that I'm making the money that I'm going to be making from, mm -hmm. from. So it's like, you at least know that when you go to work that your checks going to be coming in. So, um, you have to like, you can't, and then a lot of these essential workers, they're doctors too. They're doctors. Doctors make excellent money. While some people are like bus drivers and grocery store attendants and everything. I just think that if you were working there before and that's, and that's what you chose to do, you knew the pay when you signed the contract to go work. Mm -hmm. So just because COVID and you, you could risk, you could say, no, I don't want to do it anymore and find something else. But I mean, that's your choice. These people that are on unemployment did not have a choice and a say in whether or not they can go back to work. And that's what nope. they're trying to help people, those people, especially with like Mississippi, the top amount for the limit for unemployment was 200 and maybe $250 a week before the CARES Act. What can you get? What do you get? Is that a thousand dollars a month? Can you pay for a thousand dollars a month? That's what they have to think about. So if you if you are in a job that was paying two hundred fifty dollars a week before COVID, why are you complaining now? Nothing. Nothing economically has changed, and that's why I am on the butthole bandwagon. I end my case. You people, I'm, you people. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this. I know people who are on unemployment that are receiving more money than they did with their check. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no joke. So I think that um, I I realized what the intent was, but I don't think the whole plan was executed as efficient as it could be because, you know, you got some people that, their unemployment, even with the $600 more, it still ain't like, come on, man, like this ain't nothing. Then you got some like, like I literally know some people who are like, man, I ain't never made this much and they ain't working. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's there's that inconsistent imbalance. Um, but I mean, I'm, I kind of agree with y'all too, man. Uh, now, I would say that, of course, the people in the medical field, yes, they did choose their field. You know, uh, they, they may have to work more hours and, you know, saying stuff like that, you know, but they, of course, they did choose to go into that field to help save lives. They always put themselves at risk for uh, for the other essential workers like at Walmart or, you know what I'm saying, somewhere to the place they have to stay open. Uh, of, of course, they chose their job, but they didn't shoot like when they chose their job. They We weren't going through a pandemic, so they weren't like. Oh, I'm a, you know, I could, I could get sick and die at work. You know what I'm saying? Um, but so I do feel like, like I said, maybe they should get something. I don't think it should be an extra $600 because I'm, I just don't agree with that number, with that amount. I don't even, I don't even know if it should be money or not. I think it be, should be some type of incentive uh, for them, you know, let their company choose or whatever. But I don't think it should be a nationwide, everybody that's an essential worker get this amount. I don't, right. I don't think, it should, I don't think it should be that way. Uh, I would man. say when I was oh, in the man. military, I, 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 I get, oh, go ahead. I was going to say when I was in the military, you know, we got, you know, incentive pay when we went to, you know, 
uh, of course, because when you hear, you know, uh, and all the other uh, stuff, but you get all those uplifts when you go overseas as a, as, a, as a civilian or as a soldier. So there's just one of those things that's kind of come with the job. When you're deployed and you're in war, you get more. That's your incentive, you know, because you're actually doing more than what you would do back at home. And your your life is more at risk when you're in a situation like that. But See, I, I was going to bring that up because that wasn't always the case as far as people being on active and deployed and they were getting paid more money. So, yes, you know, for those people in the military that chose that position, you know, that, you know, people had that same argument back in the day before they were paid more on deployment and putting themselves in further danger and stuff like that. You know, people probably said the same argument, like, well, they chose that job. True. But at the same time, they, they chose a job. But we still want to make sure they're taken care of. We don't want to say, oh, you chose a job and screw them. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying, 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 I yeah, if they quit, then they don't get anything. Like so, so you can say, well, they chose a job. Well, yeah, they chose a job, but do they have a choice to leave? Maybe not, because if they can't get another job in the market right now, and um, you know, uh, if, if they quit, they won't be able to get unemployment. So they therefore are stuck in a position that they're in, right? And risking their life at the same time. I do feel like they deserve now six hundred dollars. Like Mike said, I don't know if that's a number. I don't know about the numbers, but as far as like, do they deserve to to have more money because of the risk that's come along with the essential job? I think so. Okay, I think you guys outside of preference now because if you were in this situation, you'd be saying, "Hey, I'm risking my life every day going to work. I deserve it." Hold on, but here's my thing, though, man. I think that I don't think that it should fall on the government. I think that it should fall on the employer. Hey, I think that man, places, places like places like hold on, places like Walmart and all these different uh, stores and so forth. Man, Walmart is booming right now. I know that their money; they're gaining more money than they ever have in a year. So and in return, <clears throat> exactly. So in return, they need to, because of COVID-19, they need to implement some type of compensation. Hey, give them a 50% raise or 100% raise or whatever it is. They need to compensate their employees for coming to work and have to wear a mask all day. Because let me tell you something. I had to to wear a mask today at church to set everything up. I ain't going to lie to y'all. I got tired of having that mask on. I can hardly breathe in there. Yeah, I'm not, just imagine these people wearing the entire shift. Yeah, I, I, see, uh, I'm not saying that it should solely come from the government. I agree with you. Well, I might need to pay the employees and stuff like that. Now, but I, I am also saying for those jobs or people in those jobs that pertain to the government, they still should receive some type of compensation. But for those to private companies and stuff like that, Walmart, whether it's uh, uh, bigger companies and stuff like that, yes, they should receive some type of compensation. Because like you said, your company just profited by probably by a huge margin, so yeah, you need to treat your employees, uh, you know, in, in in a in a good way because of that fact. Yeah, but I would also say that 
the government, not the government, the, uh, the 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 employers not just gonna willingly be like, okay, we're gonna give you guys some more money. Not all of them. So I think it, it is gonna fall on the government to make these companies do that though, because they're not just gonna do it. You can't. The only the only way the government can force them to do it if they raise the minimum wage. Why can't why can't they force them to do it? Because, they always because like, you can't force a company to pay. The only thing, only thing, only thing that they can force a company to do is say that hey, here is the minimum wage in your state. This is the minimum amount you can pay that person. The government could make a mandate that says during COVID nineteen, minimum wage is now fifty dollars an hour. Yeah, even for minimum wage, that's a public, that's a vote. That's yeah, a, but like, they can do it indirectly. They can say if you don't, do it, you, you don't get this, right? If you don't do it, you don't, you, you're not gonna get this. But 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 we also said you got to hit people in the pockets. What motivates the government to actually do that? We have an anti-lynching bill that has been through Congress right. two hundred times and still haven't passed. Right. An anti-lynching bill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. Maybe how are you going? How are you going to motivate the government to make companies do something for their employees? They don't have any interest. Man, they will have an interest when when uh people start going down there talking about the government needs to get them six hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, now I mean, because <laughs> I mean, like I say this, you know. I, like I said, I feel like there needs to be an incentive from the employer. It doesn't necessarily have to be money. It could be, you know, uh, a more it could be more PTO. Hey, we're going to give y'all 10 more extra days off to y'all. Can, you know what I'm saying? It could be something, some type of incentive. It doesn't have to be money because, you know, some companies may not be able to do it, depending on what that company but, or, or whatever, or a mixture between the both of them. Or let the employee pick, give them options. Hey, We'll give you this amount for, you know, this time period, or you can get, you know, the equivalent of, of that in days off or something, you know. Just some type of in- incentive. But like I said, I don't agree that I don't think that it should be only limited to money. Yeah. I feel like we all agreed on this in some <laughs> We just said the same thing in so many ways. But no, I, I say team butthole bandwagon, though. Team yeah. butthole bandwagon. Hashtag butthole bandwagon, y'all. That is not going to be a thing. No, I, yes, I, it is. We should, we should create a flag. I actually just... I actually just that you're not supposed to say hashtag. It's, it's not social media etiquette, etiquette to verbally say hashtag. You just got to say it. That's right. Thank you, Mike, for that. I said it at first. I just learned that because I used to say hashtag all the time. So I just learned it yesterday. <laughs> I like to say ha- I, sure I, what if hashtag was in the hashtag? Wrong. So then there's actually not hashtag. good hashtag etiquette either. <laughs> so hashtag hashtag? <laughs> <laughs> no, Rodell, we can't say the hashtag. You say too many hashtags, we got to type it out. That's what we <laughs> What? <laughs> this is some tough etiquette. I, I think we should make Mike the marketing director. I we go. So <laughs> so, so, so no to the money. <laughs> That's what I got. Hey, you chose your job. We're sorry. <laughs> Thanks for the conversation, guys. However, uh, butthole bandwagon has uh, decided to take this win. <laughs> Uh, 
That's crazy. Bro, we on time, guys. <laughs> we are an hour and like, 27 I like, minutes. I feel like we should pay bills. What do y'all think? We should try to pay some bills. Well, I just wonder if you guys are planning on going into a, a, a four-year university or two-year college in the t- uh, fall 2020 school year. The GEO has a scholarship for you. So check out changegeo.org for our scholarship details. Deadline's August 1st. Uh, fill out the application. It is a video submission scholarship. But if you want to check out the topic, you got to go to the website for more details. You can also check out our Instagram page at change underscore geo and our Facebook page at change geo geo geo. Yeah, man. But um, do we got any more topics for today? I think that's I think it. I think that should cover it for this time. You think that was it? <laughs> I can get back to my nap. No. Uh, After said he want to go outside. Nah, he he's under my foot right now. Oh, oh, I got something I want to tell y'all though. So I um. I purchased me a computer, a new computer chair, and because uh, my other one, man, like that chair, it, it was cheap when I bought it because I wanted to hear him get a chair really fast, so I bought a cheap one from Walmart, and uh, yeah, it was crap, but anyway, I got my new chair, yeah, that chair was hurt, it was hurting my back and stuff, it, it was uncomfortable, so this time I bought me a gaming chair, and when I say this thing is so comfortable, it feel like I'm snugged into a NASCAR. I'm gonna be honest. Like I took a nap in it. That's how. That's how comfortable it is. You know, I, at first, man, I used to when I would see those prices, I was like, "Bro, that is very expensive." But it's worth it. Uh, now I never sat in one, but I hear people kind of, you know, YouTubers who buy their first one and sit down on on videos. They're like, "Dude, it feels like heaven." Yes, you know, so, it is yeah, so comfortable. Yeah. Like and it reclines and everything. Got back cushions for the lower back, and then a cushion for my neck. It's 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 perfect, man. I love this chair. I yeah. do not respect you outside, man. Man, see, see, man, and I'll be saying COVID nineteen is blocking everything. I went, I would never leave the house. That's all I mean now. He ain't take COVID for me to get there. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, Jasper. All right, guys. So that is it for today. Uh, we will catch you guys next time. Like I said, hey, we, we talk about a lot of things on here. Some things is good, some things is not. But, hey, these are all our thoughts, and we, we speak how we feel. So um, we will be coming back to you next time on another episode of Geo Talk. See you.